Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. If you're drawing a blank from trawling comparison sites, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're part of a doomed underclass. The pandemic's come along and clearly that's had a massive impact on the market versus overnight. There's a feeling that within the marketplace, the capacity has reduced by up to 50%. Obviously, we really want people to have insurance protection when they go abroad. It could be very expensive if they didn't have cover. But also, we have people that say, well, if I can't get insurance, I, I'm, I'm too worried about going abroad. It might, you know, it might not end well. This week, along with which insurance journalist Dean Sovers, we'll be revealing the most common barriers that make insurers hike up premiums or even refuse to offer cover at all. We'll be unpicking these red flags from previously claiming to turning 70 or insuring a Tesla and sharing loads of advice along the way on how to tackle them. We are which. When it comes to getting insurance, it's all in the details. And in a recent witch investigation, we found a big long list of them, the most common things that could set you back when applying for cover. And there were some real surprises in there, like the ratio of bathrooms to bedrooms, which we'll get onto later. But Dean, can we start with one of the most common issues people have buying insurance, and that's getting travel insurance when you have existing medical conditions. Now, I was really shocked when I read your piece by the price one couple was quoted for cover of up to £3,000, which could very easily exceed the cost of a holiday. So, Dean, can you pinpoint what kinds of conditions are seen as red flags for insurers and how they actually work out an appropriate cover? So we heard from people who had been locked out of cover for a pretty wide variety of purposes. one of which rose to the top among the members that we spoke to uh, was medical conditions, and this was mainly in buying travel insurance. Um, Mm. Many of us, and myself included, have a medical condition of some sort or another that we have to declare. Uh, More often than not, it's not going to be a problem for the insurer to cover, Um, but sometimes there is a problem. It's worth saying that it's it's actually often not the condition itself that is the key risk factor, um, but how severe or complicated it is, um, how recently you've been treated for it, the number of medications that you're on um, to manage it, and, and how predictable the insurer ultimately thinks that it is. Mm. Um, cancer is is often used as, as a kind of a big example. We fairly commonly hear from people uh, with heart conditions. Um, Insurers can sometimes be reluctant to cover people with uh, some mental illnesses as well. Um, 
if you've got a condition that is being investigated um, but hasn't yet been diagnosed, this can also come across as a big red flag. Uh, so we've heard of cases where this has prevented people from getting cover, um, even where the medical condition was probably quite trivial. Mm. And the reason is, is without that diagnosis, the insurer doesn't have any concrete way of evaluating the risk. Um, insurers do also behave very differently uh, when confronted with the same risk, though. Um, so the example that um, that you referenced earlier with that couple um, being charged three thousand um, pounds, that was that was a good case in point. So here, the member's wife has a moderate and well-controlled heart condition, and when they shopped around for worldwide travel insurance, uh, they were unable to find prices below £600, which is pricey, um, but many others were quoting over £2,000, and the highest, um, as, as you mentioned, was over £3,000. Now, if you've ever bought travel insurance or, or just looked into buying travel insurance, you will have seen the kinds of questions insurers ask to carry out these medical screenings. But if you've got a severe or unusual illness, you might wonder if an online screening is really thorough enough to make a fair assessment. And we put this question to Gary Nelson from insurance provider All Clear. Well, we do offer online screening because for certain conditions, people feel more comfortable. Um, in an environment where they're not talking to somebody who, whilst very empathetic, because they're used to doing uh, situations like this all the time, uh, understand completely that somebody might want to do that within their own confines and under their own uh, confidentiality, so to speak, you know, particularly if it's maybe an embarrassing condition or or something along those lines. But we do find that um, people with particularly complex uh, medical conditions actually do prefer to have the reassurance of talking to somebody and calling to the contact centre and then um, talk it through um, with somebody who understands the process and can talk to them empathetically. We give people the choice, basically. It can be done online, um, but it's not exclusive to online. And we do find, as I say, as the conditions become more complex, then the preference tends to be um, wanting to speak to somebody. I think that's for reassurance to make sure that, that they've they've answered the questions as best they can. The pandemic's come along and clearly that's had a massive impact on on the market virtually overnight. Uh, It's fair to say, you know, for a lot of the distributors, as as we are, we're providers, the issue is around the underwriting capacity that's out there and the underwriting appetite um, in a a world which was changing very quickly. Uh, And it exposed a lot of... um, insurers to to a a lot of risk and risk that they hadn't really um, necessarily come across before. It did cause uh, quite a bit of the capacity to actually exit the market. You know, a lot of of brands, particularly in the banks and the the credit card space, um, decided that they didn't want to write any new business. That was a direct outcome as soon as who declared the the pandemic as a a pandemic. And a lot of those players haven't come back in. There's, there's a feeling that within the marketplace, the capacity is reduced by up to 50% in terms of who's prepared to underwrite travel insurance. Dean, as well as calling up or emailing insurers for a quote, it's important to note that there are also specialist insurance providers uh, with many out there for medical cover. Are these likely to be household names that you might find on the big comparison websites or more niche? And how much difference could it make going with a specialist? So with uh, so much um, variation between what different insurers might offer the same person, um, if you've got a 
difficult to cover medical condition, um, it definitely makes sense to try as much of the market as you can. Um, so as we discussed earlier, there can be thousands of pounds difference in the quotes that you'll receive. Mm. Um, we always say that comparison sites are a great place to start um, as you're quickly sizing up scores of insurers. But you should check elsewhere as well, as the comparison sites aren't by any measure giving you the full picture. Um, the financial regulator, the FCA, uh, last year established a directory of insurers that specialise in covering people with medical conditions, which you can find at moneyhelper.org.uk. It contains a mixture of uh, both smaller names um, and also uh, some, some well-known ones um, that specialise in covering medical conditions. The British Insurance Brokers Association also has its own directory that does a similar thing. Uh, insurers are supposed to signpost you towards these if they can't cover you affordably themselves because of a medical condition that you have. And we've been speaking to Graham Trudgill from Bieber, which is the British Insurance Brokers Association, for a bit more information on their directory of specialist providers. People with serious medical conditions do need some support there. So what we've done is worked with the regulator, the Financial Conduct Authority, to create uh, a new rule, um, which basically says if somebody has uh, a serious medical condition, they go to a particular insurer and they can't place that risk or they want to charge more than £100 for that serious medical condition, then what they actually have to do is then signpost to an FCA approved travel medical insurance directory. And so the British Insurance Brokers Association ourselves, we run a travel insurance medical directory. Uh, we're a not-for-profit organisation. And so when uh, these queries are signposted to Bieber, we can then um, provide a list of relevant firms of specialist insurance brokers who help maybe they specialize in, in cancer for example uh, and they're able to then help that client with their particular medical condition so that they can get covered because obviously we really want people to have insurance protection when they go abroad it could be very expensive if they didn't have cover but also we have people that say well if I can't get insurance I, I'm, I'm too worried about going abroad it might you know it might not end well it might be very expensive for me so if something happens so, so I think the work that we've done um, with, the, with the regulator to create a new directory to vet firms and have specialist firms available is really helpful. And you can find that at biba.org.uk. On top of medical conditions, there are loads of other factors that will affect your premium, where you're traveling to and for how long, and also your age. And age is another big factor that doesn't just apply to travel insurance. Now, there is a law that says you mustn't be discriminated against, and that's the Equality Act, which came into play in 2010. But there are some instances where insurance providers can discriminate against you because you're a younger or older customer. Dean, when is this allowed? And how how do insurers justify it? Insurers are allowed to incorporate your age into whether they'll um, accept you and what they'll charge you. Um, they do have to have good evidence uh, to justify that, that using your age as, as a factor there is, is appropriate and relevant. Um, and of course, insurers argue that they do. For example, insurers say that their statistics bear out that uh, young drivers, um, so sort of under 25, and those um, over 75 claim a lot more often and make more costly claims um, than those in, in other age groups. So consequently, mm. um, those two those two age groups, the young drivers and, and the older drivers, um, can pay you know much more 
um, for their car for their car insurance than a driver say aged 40 or 50. It's similarly the case in travel insurance that premiums tend to climb the older you get. So in our investigation, um, we ran quotes on a comparison site for a, a European annual policy um, for one. And as a 55-year-old, uh, we were offered 76 quotes and the cheapest three averaged just £13. Um, but between the ages of 65 and 70, um, premiums had climbed a bit. And, bet- and between those two ages, they, they actually doubled um, mm-hmm. and the offers were beginning to fall off from insurers. Um, and when we said we were 80 the average price was now £305 and we had a choice of just seven quotes. Mm. Um, and bear in mind as well that this is before any medical conditions were factored in, uh, which older customers are, are more likely to have and which are going to push their prices up even more. It's enough to put you off travelling at all, isn't it? I think, yeah, I mean, I would say that that's probably a decision uh, or, or yeah, that, that's a choice that, that we do hear from um you know, from, from some of our members um, who are just really frustrated that they can't get an affordable price. And, you know, and, and it's an incentive for some people just to get the, the, you know, the sort of the lowest, the sort of the lowest level of protection that they can get. For instance, if they have to buy a policy that they, you know, if, if it's a condition of traveling with a certain airline or something. Mm. This being said, um, one of the problems that um, you know, that, that exists in the market and is hopefully being corrected a little bit by these directories is that it can be the case that there is affordable cover um, that you can find, even if you're in one of these, um, you know, these older groups or, or these groups with with a pre-existing medical condition. Now, of course, the whole point of insurance is that we can claim should we need to, but many of us are reluctant to do so. And anecdotally, I've heard this so often spoken about with regards to protecting that coveted no claims bonus, especially in relation to car insurance. So, Dean, if we start there, then how does a no claims bonus work and how much difference does making a claim really have on your insurance premium? Yeah, so this all all boils down to the fact that insurers don't really like us to be using their insurance, uh, Mm. you know, cost some money. Um, So a no claims bonus is is a way that they reward customers for not doing this. And it's it's a discount that increases the more years that you've not claimed. If you do claim or if something happens to you that means that you could have claimed, so for instance, you were in a car accident, Losing the bonus isn't the only thing that you've actually got that you've got to worry about. Uh, when you're buying car or home insurance, you um, you'll note you'll note that you have to declare any claims or incidents in the previous five years. Um, so anything that you declare here factors into how risky the insurer thinks you'll be to insure, and you'll likely pay a higher premium. the The effect is, thankfully, it's usually temporary, so your record shouldn't be scarred by any one claim for longer than a few years. Um, however, some things that um, that have happened can have a, a more long-lasting effect. So, for example, if your property has ever been affected by subsidence, this can worry future insurers. Um, and the reason is that it's indicated to them that your home might be vulnerable to it. And it's it's an incredibly expensive thing mm. to have happen to a property. Um, if insurers think it's likely to happen to you, they don't want, they don't want to be on the hook um, if it happens again. One which member that we spoke with um, in, in, for my article had actually made a subsidence claim 25 years ago. And since they've only been offered um, home insurance from one firm, uh, fortunately, they're very happy with that firm. When we ran some home insurance quotes through a comparison site for the house in question, 
uh, we were initially offered 52 quotes. When we then said that the property had previously experienced subsidence, this reduced to just nine quotes. Thanks, Dean. And we'll be back after a short break. Hello, Witch Money Podcast listeners. It's Greg here from Witch Investigates. I hope you enjoyed our special episode last week as we joined forces to delve into the world of digital money. We were looking into who controls it, where is it safest, and where may it be in the future? In the bank, in Bitcoin, or somewhere else entirely? I just wanted to pop by today to let you know about a special episode that we're going to be recording next week. It's our first ever Witch Investigates live panel event, and we would love for you to be involved. It's happening at lunchtime on Wednesday, the 17th of November over on the Witch Facebook page. And you can put your tech and security questions to my guests. Anything from home hacking to data, privacy or indeed digital money. If you've got a question and you're on social media, you can send it to at Greg Foote or at Witch UK, or you can email us on podcasts at witch.co.uk. Hoping to see some of you there, but for now, let's go back to Lucia for the rest of this week's episode. We are Witch. Another really interesting thing you found is how often people had difficulties when their application included something a little unusual. Now, this might be because, say, you have an oil-powered fireplace, a thatched roof, or a Tesla, or even more bathrooms than bedrooms. And obviously, there might be more risks associated with some of these, but it does make me wonder if it ever comes down to, for want of a better phrase, a kind of computer-says-no situation, in that decisions are being made by a computer computer or an algorithm and there are some instances where you just don't meet the regular criteria or fit the questions being asked and for this you're penalised like we spoke about really with medical screening. Yeah I'd say that this can very much be the case. Um, So insurers work really hard to make the quotation process as smooth and quick as possible Um, and so as a consequence of that most of it is automated and driven by algorithms um, Mm. and it works really well for for the standard person but anything that requires a bit more explaining or is a bit different can throw it completely off balance and potentially leave you feeling like you're uninsurable Mm. so for example um, when we were mystery shopping comparison sites uh, we looked at the numbers of insurers willing to uh, cover different cars for the same person um, and driving you know driving an old Ford Focus ZTEC I could get 92 quotes that's a pretty broad selection Um, if I'm trying to cover a Tesla Mm. uh, that went down to 17. It's a real surprise because you know Tesla it feels like quite a kind of common car these days or at least it's going that way so it's a high profile car you know we hear about teslas all the time but they're still quite new um Mm. you know not many people own them and they're still fairly new and novel to insurers which means Mm. that um insurers haven't quite had the time yet to um to sort of understand how how risky owners of teslas are um, you know, how often Teslas are involved in certain kinds of accidents and everything. So they don't quite have the information in all, you know, they need to to confidently price cover for them. I was going to say, um, going back to travel insurance, um, as this was a different kind of problem um, with travel insurance, was that one of the problems that someone told us about, it didn't even involve having quotes rejected. Um, it was instead an issue um, about not being able to get important information through the system. Um, So I spoke with a customer who had been trying to buy a travel insurance policy earlier this year, 
um, but she wanted to declare that she'd recently had an operation on her ankle. Um, and in the screening process, the way that the questions were worded meant that she couldn't actually disclose the operation without also giving an inaccurate reason for why she'd had it. Mm. Um, and this meant that she couldn't get a quote that took the operation into account. And that left her with doubts about whether the policy she was being quoted for would actually cover her if she needed to claim. Um, and then the larger problem was that when she looked at other insurers, they were all asking identical medical screening questions. So there wasn't any getting away from this problem. If we take that example, would the onus be on the customer to ensure that it that their profile is declared accurately in, in this situation? That's a tricky question to, to answer because basically the, the responsibility of the customer is to answer any questions that the insurer puts to them you know, honestly and accurately. However, there, there are also um, there also tend to be stipulations in in policy wording about have, having to disclose, for instance, changes. You know, so changes in health, as an example, and those are things that might not necessarily be asked explicitly, but which might be used against you if you come to claim and 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 things that the insurer considers to have been relevant, they haven't been told about. Um, so it can be an area of contention um, that, you know, you might have to get the financial ombudsman to adjudicate on if, for instance, an insurer is denying paying a claim because they be- they believe that you withheld something that was relevant to the policy. So that's not a particularly clear answer, um, but it's not, it's basically, it's a, it's a fairly kind of unclear area, um, if I'm being honest. Now, another thing that can make a huge difference is where you live. So you might live in a high crime area or somewhere with a big flood risk, but most of us can't just move house. So what can you do to help mitigate this? Yeah, it's true. Most of us can't simply up sticks and move to the Orkneys for cheaper Mm. premiums. Um, Location plays a really big role when it comes to various types of insurance, um, especially home and car Sometimes it's because insurers are seeing lots of expensive claims coming from that area. And it can also be things like high crime rates um, or environmental factors such as local subsidence or flooding. And sometimes there are things that you can do to protect against the hazard in the area. And so reassure the insurer a bit. So if you live in a higher crime area, Mm. it might count if you've got robust security measures in place. Maybe if you're part of the local neighborhood watch um, or if you keep your car in a garage at night, um, these can have positive effects on your premiums. Um, Similarly, if there is a tree in your garden and that's a potential subsidence issue, uh, then having it cut down might decrease the risk of that, you know, of subsidence a little bit in the eyes of your insurer. And you might see that in how much you pay. And the last key point here is on your personal history. What about if you've ever had any legal or financial difficulties? How much does an insurer take these into account? Quite a lot. So queries about your Mm. personal or financial history um, are often asked in pretty binary ways. And you're generally treated quite harshly if you give the wrong answer. So for an example, Um, the question, have you or anyone living in your house ever been declared bankrupt? Yes or no? Uh, That's a pretty far-reaching question. Mm. And yes could mean loads of things 
But that pretty superficial bit of information can have a really profound impact impact on the numbers of insurers willing to offer you and how much they'll quote you for. Uh, And it's even worse if you say that you've ever had cover refused or a policy cancelled by your insurer. Again, this is typically presented as a sort of a yes, no question online with no room for giving context. And do these kinds of factors ever stop being considered? We spoke about how you might not need to declare claims that you've made after a certain period of time. What about here? Will these kind of legal or personal factors always be taken into account or or can they get wiped like your no claims bonus? Unfortunately, um, unlike your claims history, which, um, you know, you you don't have to declare after five years have passed, uh, the effects of things like your financial history um, or whether or not a policy has ever been cancelled, there's no firm sort of end date to, you know, you, you have to basically continue disclosing these things indefinitely. And to finish then, Dean, we've already covered loads of advice on when you might need to give more information to insurers and and seeking specialist providers. But are there any other top tips you can armour us with before we look for our next policy? Yeah, yeah. So I guess that a key one is if you're drawing a blank from trawling comparison sites, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're part of a doomed underclass. Uh, so don't despair. Some insurers, even some of the larger household names, don't sell through comparison sites. And even some that are on there might ask more detailed questions if you contact them directly. And that could make all the difference. If you are getting plenty of offers, but no affordable ones, I should probably point you to uh, some free guides that we've got on our website about how to find cheap insurance without compromising on quality. Uh, It's both for car and home insurance, um, where we've got loads of tips uh, sort of laid out. If you could use some expert support, we think that you should consider using an expert broker uh, to help you track down a policy that's right for your needs. And then I guess a key thing that I'd kind of like to emphasize is that one thing that you shouldn't do is lie. If you withhold a bit of information at the quote, that might bring down your premium um, and, you know, even open up the market. But if you give the insurer inaccurate information, you run the risk of having future claims declined and possibly even having your policy cancelled. So... I guess the key sort of uh, takeaway there would be that if you are running into barriers, one of one of the best things you can probably do is to um, is to try and bypass the you know the, the sort of the online sort of version of it, take it offline, and speak to a human being um, either by phone or by email. Thanks so much to Dean for talking us through his investigation and we'll drop links to those guides he mentioned in the description to this episode. And thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. Just before you carry on with your day, it would be amazing if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. If you enjoyed it, a little five stars would be very much appreciated. And of course, you can also find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was recorded and produced by Rob Lilly with additional support by Ian Aikman. Mm-hmm.